Welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about anything and everything that's related to Gundam from Gunpla to series, movies, the music, the lore, our own concepts, and anything and everything else that has to do with the Gundam metaverse. That's right, Isaac. And today we're back for more pain. Isaac, we're coming oh back. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're going to discuss the second half, the back half of Gundam Seed Destiny. Oh, boy. This series. I, listeners, if you're a fan of Gundam Seed Destiny, not Seed, not the Seed universe, Seed Destiny, please comment below because you must be a rare breed indeed. Man. <sighs> the series started out so hopeful, Brian, with so much energy and, 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 and a good pace, and then it just... It, it just crashed and burned. Yeah, I think we're going to see more of that crash and burn here in in the back half. I, th- I feel like we were on a constant decline from about episode 25 or so. R- or maybe maybe episode 20. A little before what we left off last, last time, Isaac. Is that kind of what you felt? I mean, I agree. I thought we started off real well. I thought we were, you know, like I think I said last time we were on like a 9 out of 10 pace for the first like 15 episodes and then something happened. Yeah, we, we've fallen very far and very hard, and then we came to a sudden stop. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say when you get off the Matterhorn? Terminate Saracen Tato's poor. Something like that. I don't remember, but man, it's it's as if we crashed, not necessarily stopped. <laughs> oh, all right, well, if you want to hear all the particulars, go listen to part one. Year came out, all that good stuff. We're going to jump right into it, Isaac. Let's do it. Where did we leave off? What was happening while we left off? Was it the the wedding rescue? I think that was it, right? It was a little it was a little after the wedding rescue. Okay. Shin had just cut open the Gaia's cockpit and revealed that Stella was in there and everyone was freaking out. So Shin opens the cockpit, he finds Stella in there, he takes Stella back to the Minerva and he's like, "Oh man, we need to get this girl some help. She's not doing well." Uh, because Neo now lost Stella, Isaac, he decides to erase Stella from the minds of the Extended. Because I guess you can just do that in those glowing orbs. That's that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's also the answer, right? With someone on the squad's gone, just delete them. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we don't need them anymore. It'll just be a problem. <laughs> so Lacus goes to the plans to help, I guess, kind of sort things out up there, get her ship back, and she's escorted by Waltfeld. She does it in kind of a funny way, Isaac. Do you remember that? She, like, fakes being... Uh, the fake Lacus, and she makes it through. <laughs> Big reversal. And then soon it comes out that Talia was the one that had Luna spy on Atherin, you know, in his meeting with the Archangel crew. And here's one of my big important points that I want to talk about tonight, Isaac, is that Luna was there. She was overhearing Atherin talk to Kira, Kigali, and Lacus. But she does not tell Talia, or anyone, Durandal, uh, about the fake Lacus, meaning she saw the real Lacus, and they and she overheard Kira tell Atherin that assassins were sent to take out the real Lacus. So this this is her her unplayed card of knowledge, Isaac, which I thought was probably the best thing that they had going in terms of like setup for later. Yeah, it was, it might be like the only good intrigue, right? That's kind of going on in the background, the only sort of sneaky happenings, because. Every, everything in the Earth Alliance is very, they're all on the same page. Right. Everything in, in Zath, they're all on the same page, except for this whole Lacus fake doppelganger. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're going to hold on to that, and hopefully it'll pay off later. Spoilers, it's not going to. But <laughs> that, that's what you're led to believe. So then Orb and Neo Roanoke team up again to take on the Minerva. Kira and the Archangel decide to interfere again. 
This time, Kira cuts all the limbs off the Chaos Gundam easily, which leads you to wonder, like, why didn't anyone do that before? Like, what is Kira doing that's so special? Or his beam saber is just that much sharper or something? <laughs> Did it bother you how quickly he dispatched not only the Chaos, but then Atherin shortly thereafter? He just cuts basically all the limbs off of Atherin's savior Gundam. A terrible showing for Atherin. Yeah, and it also really goes against their whole fragility because each time we see mobile suits take pretty light damage to like any part of them, they're like the whole thing combusts, right? So <laughs> you you really have to kind of roll your eyes and say, of course, it's it's the second coming of Kira Yamato. Of course, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he gets it all. He gets everyone in like one swipe. So his skills have not dulled. But uh, at this point, Kigali goes ahead and asks, she's like, hey, Orb, could you stop attacking? Like, please listen to me. You know, I'm Kigali, you, Latha, blah, blah, blah. They don't listen again, Isaac. They say they're doing it for Orb. This is our orders, you know, whatever. Shin ends up tearing apart their whole naval fleet with the sword impulse. He just gets on one ship after another, just kind of rips his sword through, kind of like Amuro from the first Gundam. But then again, Isaac, Orb does a dumb move here. The Orb captain that you kind of start to like over the last, I don't know, five, ten episodes or so, he goes down with his ship. He, he orders everyone off and tells them, like, hey, you should, if you want to keep fighting, go to the Archangel, but I'm going to stay yeah. here. Why does he do that? He's, he doesn't not, have to do that. He, he could just put like put the shifter in gear and have it just go forward. He doesn't need to be on the bridge. What is he doing? Yeah, he's also a really good captain, so like he would have been valuable, right? Absolutely. But they had to do it so that Shin could kill the captain that helped him back when he his family was killed and back when he was looking for direction. You know, because that was the same captain that told him go to Zaft. Absolutely, but that's manufactured drama. That did, that was that's not logical. That's not <laughs> that's not good drama. No, it, it's also like is needlessly tragic. The word like you right, know, it almost would have been better if that guy met Shin later and like gave him further guidance. It was like you know, oh Shin, you have to obligatory Gundam speech, right? Oh Shin, you have to like follow your heart, and you know, clearly, clearly Zaft isn't on the, the side that your heart is on, so listen to your heart, Shin. <laughs> listen to your heart. And Shin would be like, wow, you're really right, you know, Mr. Captain, to say it'd be. <laughs> I don't know if we ever even learned that guy's name, but he was really cool. I, I enjoyed him. Ca- I agree. Captain McSacrifice, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really pulled a Lord Azumi. He, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, orb culture must love sacrificing yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, he didn't need to die. So then Durandal, we, we find out, used to be romantically involved with Talia, but she left him because she wanted a child, which mm. Talia eventually did get, and this is going to come back as my probably my number one cardinal sin of this series. But that was during like a recap episode, I think we learned that. By the way, Isaac, did it seem like there were a lot of recap episodes in this show? I felt like we there was too many. Yeah, and it's... <sighs> It was done kind of weird, too, right? Like, it just happened, you know? And that must have been a time thing, as opposed to, I think, the yeah, the recap in Gundam Seed was a court trial, Mm. from what I remember. Yep, yep, that's right. right. I think it was Nataral, like, kind of recounting what happened, and Ramius was there, too, but yeah. Yeah, there was, like, at least two, maybe three recaps, even in the HD remaster, which eliminated the recap. I don't know. I was not a fan of those. Those are real momentum killers, but... At this point, Shin's getting a bit arrogant now because Atherin got taken out. He's like, ah, you know, you're not so great. I'm pretty good because I took out the fleet. But it takes a little bit of a turn for Shin here, Isaac, because he overhears Talia talking that Zaft wants a living extended. So Talia wants to try her best to keep Stella alive because she is not doing well. It turns out that she basically can't be kept alive unless she has access to this Earth Alliance stuff periodically. Yeah, the mind wash egg. (laughs) (laughs) The mind wash, yes. Whatever that egg does, apparently it's pretty important maybe it just gives her a big dose of uh, melatonin there you go yeah it's <laughs> it's a big melatonin egg okay 
so he decides to take matters into his own hand. He, him and Ray, they bust Stella out of the medical bay, and he flies her back to Neo. And he makes Neo promise him that she will never fight again. So what happens, Isaac? Neo immediately makes her fight again by putting her into a new Gundam called the Destroy, uh, which was given to him <laughs> by Jibril. Uh, by Jibril. Jibril. That's that's his rap handle. <laughs> <laughs> Lil Jibril. <laughs> yeah, that's his SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> when he's not when he's not planning atrocities. <laughs> Did you notice, by the way, Isaac, that when his name pops up on the computer screens, it actually says Lord Jabril? <laughs> like, I don't know why Lord uh, is necessary. <laughs> well, they really want to address him, you know? I guess. His proper rank. <laughs> How would you describe the Destroy Gundam? Because I know it's one of your favorites. Oh, man. It's just like this massive monster. It's very dark, right? It's yeah. kind of a black Gundam. Its legs are tyrannosaurus like (laughs) (laughs) that's actually really accurate yeah and its lower body actually rotates when it goes into sort of i guess it's called destroy mode and they become sort of the you know actual tyrannosaurus uh ankled and positioned where i forgot what it's called but it's got a sort of bank backwards d yeah and uh yeah it kind of does that that positioning where it's kind of you know perched backwards but this big circular backpack filled with b weapons on its back kind of lowers over its head and it looks like this giant sinister disc atop two tyrannosaurus legs and it's got these two massive mega particle cannon things and it's just really destructive really powerful it, it it's massive also it's like the size of a building and it was designed to destroy cities it's, it's great <laughs> yeah so Gibril's plan here is to basically use the destroy to you know destroy all zaf territory on earth until they just give up and leave and the first showing of the destroy Isaac is very impressive. It's just plowing through cities. I think it takes out what three cities, and I don't know. It's just like this harbinger of doom, right? Like it's like unstoppable. If you had to compare it to other mobile armors we've seen, it's kind of like a big zom crossed with a psycho Gundam sort of. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, they had an unholy child. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Durandal can't stand for this. So he needs to use Shin to get the destroy. So he forgives him for giving back Stella. And, like, that kind of just resolves that little plot thread. And so now everyone's like, oh, this is a bad, you know, this is bad. Let's all go destroy the destroy. So the Minerva goes, the Archangel goes, and they have a little fight. Shin slices open the cockpit again, and Neo reveals that Stella is in there. So he's like, Shin, don't do it. You know, please stop. Stella's in there. You don't want to destroy that. And they talk it out for a while, Isaac. But, you know, spoilers, of course, she eventually goes crazy again. I think she's triggered by seeing the, the freedom kind of in her peripheral vision, if I remember right that sort of sets her off again and undoes all the progress that Shin has made. And so Kira ends up having to put her down by, you know, depositing his beam sabers in the, like, beam chest cannons, which blows the whole thing up. And um, at the same time, Neo is shot down and loses his mask and is found by the Archangel. So here's what I will get, Isaac, is the Destroy kind of, you know, was blown up here, but Stella is still in one piece. Yeah. With an open cockpit, by the way. Right. Does that make sense to you? No, because plot logic has to like allow for her to live. Right. Even though it seemed to have been a blow that should have destroyed the mobile suit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, we'll see similar blows can very easily destroy the destroy Gundam. <laughs> yeah, this was the first showing of the destroy, which was impressive. The later showings of the destroy are not quite as impressive. But. Yeah. Something was lost when they mass manufactured it. So Shin takes Stella's body, who, like I said, is somehow still in one piece, and buries her at sea, even though isn't she going to float, Isaac? Like, doesn't he need to weigh her down? I suppose. I, well, 
No, because like, won't her lung cavity fill with seawater and then she'll die? <laughs> I mean, well, then she'll then she'll sink, right? Uh, I don't know. Someone, a me- <laughs> medical student out there, can you answer that for us? Yeah, <laughs> our, our big coroner listeners—they'll <laughs> be able to tell us exactly what will happen when a body goes into the ocean. So Shin buries her, and then he studies the freedom with Ray with the intent to destroy it. And Ray is starting to become a little bit of like Durandal's manipulator in the wings with Shin, right? He's kind of like pushing Shin in a particular direction. You know, always believe the chairman. Do whatever the chairman says. Whatever he says is correct. Don't believe anyone else. Let's destroy the freedom. You can do it. That kind of thing. You know, we'll get to Ray a little bit more later, but did you see that? Is that how you saw Ray at this point as well? Yeah, he's very much uh, a company man. Isn't really the right the right way to say it, but um, you, you get my drift. Yeah. He's he's ride or die team uh, Durandal. <laughs> right. Chairman Durandal can do no wrong as far as Ray's concerned. Whatever he decides, whatever he says, that must be the way to do it. We have to do this for Zaft. Zaft and Randall are the same thing. And at this point, Neo wakes up in the Archangel, but he doesn't remember. He doesn't have his his Mu Laflaga memories, which then creates this sort of confusing 15 episode stay in the brig did you notice that like yeah they found him but he was just there from episode like 26 through like i don't know 40 mid 40s just still in the brig just chilling every every now and whenever someone went into the brig or into the medical bay i guess maybe it's the medical bay like neo was always in there yeah i mean <laughs> also like it, it, i noticed his cell had very bizarre bars but yes he's in a position where he can have dialogue and conversations very easily with anybody nearby even though he's in a jail <laughs> <laughs> but like if there's ever a sign that the writers don't know what to do with the character it's when they stay in the medical bay for like 15 episodes <laughs> yeah they never like decide to leave him at a zaft base or <laughs> begin some type of like i don't know criminal proceedings since he's part of the enemy but they they just keep him aboard. <laughs> oh. So Minerva and Zaf then fight the Archangel again, which is also a recurring problem with this series. I did you did you feel this way as well? So for example, there were probably three or four battles here between Zaf and Orb where the Archangel interfered and then they fought the destroy and then they all went back and then they fought again and then maybe they fought before that and then they retreated. They should have just done it all at once. You know, we don't need to have three <laughs> battles that are the same. Whenever you end with both sides just kind of retreating, I feel like nothing was resolved. Yeah, and also like the nothing happened in the battles that was decisive enough to really change anything. Correct. You know, the ships got superficial damage, nobody died. Right. And they they just kind of continued on sort of increasingly more confused as they fought. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Obviously reaching the point where they will eventually be on the same side. <laughs> So the Minerva and Zaf forces, they you know, they fight the Archangel again. This time, Zaf's orders from, I assume, Durand- Durandal are to let the Impulse finish off the Archangel, which is another sign of him trying to sort of manipulate Shin's ego, stoke him, you know, get him fired up, uh, make him this sort of war hero ace type thing. So Shin eventually does uh, engage with Kira. Shin uses all three Impulse packs and eventually impales the freedom on the Excalibur sword. And here's, I think, what you're talking about, Isaac which creates this enormous explosion <laughs> implying that, you know, the FET, the freedom's nuclear reactor has, has blown up, which neither of them should have survived then. Right. Cause he was, you know, the impulse was heavily damaged and he was right next to the explosion when it happened. Cause you know, he, he plunged the sword into the chest of the freedom. Right. And you have to walk away with that being like, well, there's no way they could be alive from that. They were they were at grand, ground zero of that explosion. I don't know. I don't care how much metal you're behind. You know, you're behind Isaac when that happens. You're you're gone, right? 
Of course. You know, just like Mula Flaga died. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Brian? (laughs) Yes. But that's my point. So this is the second time now in this sequel series where, or third if you count Moo surviving, that the you're sort of like losing your audience's trust. Like now I can't really trust what you're showing me, right? If you're just going to undo it. And they literally undo this in the next episode. Like, you know, if you're just watching the episodes back to back, within five minutes you know that this is... It's been undone because we find out immediately at the start of the next episode that Kira supposedly turned off the reactor and and survived. So if he turned off the reactor, Isaac, I'm not sure what blew up then. Yeah, like I I, I can't even generate head cannon to do that. Energy stored within the system while the reactor was off. I but then <laughs> but I mean that. Uh, how does he live then? Lo- localized energy capacitors. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. In the limbs. <laughs> Ridiculous is yes. what it is. Ah, oh, the gymnastics we have to do to continue with certain Gundam events. <laughs> you, you cannot get a high enough gymnastic score to, to, to justify that. No, you, I know. There, there had to be like a platinum medal. Right. <laughs> yes. Continue. Uh, so the Minerva fight also gets a Tannhauser shot off on the Archangel, but they escape into the water. They ditch an engine to you know pretend that they blew up, which was cool. I like that. I thought that was good. Sure. So then Durandal immediately gives Shin and Athra new Gundams. He's like, hey, it sucks that yours are all you know blown up, but I still need you guys. So here's some new ones. Here's the Destiny Gundam for you, Shin, and here's the Legend for you, Athra, and a.k.a. the Providence 2.0. So, Isaac, when you saw the legend, you're a big Providence fan. Right. How does the legend rank for you with the Providence? Is it just as good? Is it better? Is it worse? It's worse. And let me explain why. The Providence, say what you will about it if you're not a fan or whatever, what really sealed it, even though it's sort of a sinister-looking Gundam with normal Gundam colors, except for a little bit more gray, it had a pure circle on its back. Mm -hmm. So it was a solid, unbroken circle and almost a funnel pointing in each direction, or bit, whatever they're called in, in this universe. Uh, they are called the Dragoons. How dare you? Dragoons. Of course. <laughs> of course they are, Brian. Dragoons. All right. It had a, a Dragoon pointing in each you know, nautical direction, really. This legend Gundam, it's got a half circle instead of the full circle. It sort of lacks the normal Gundam colors anyways. They're not all there on its chest, for example, or its head. Mm -hmm. And it seemingly has less Dragoons. So overall, it very much seems like a a mass-produced Providence, which I assume it kind of is. Yeah, it definitely looks like a more refined Providence. And by refined, I mean, remember when the Rigazi came out and Charge counterattacked and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, yeah, the Rigazi, it's a refined Gundam Zeta. But, like, it looks like a bootleg Zeta. That's yeah, kind of like... what the legend looks like for the Providence, right? It, it's almost like they took the original and they said, gee, I wonder what a prototype would look like. And then they made a prototype and it's kind of, like, <laughs> worse. But, like, why did they make it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now that's not to say that it's a terrible-looking suit. But relative to the Providence, I don't think it looks quite as imposing and maybe your opinion would be different if the Providence did not exist, right? I Yeah, I, I might have a different opinion about it, but the Providence is just a better-looking suit, better colors, better design. It's better in every way, even its pilot and how it was used in the story, especially compared to the legend. If anything, the, the legend is less thick than the Providence, so if you're listeners, if you're... <laughs> Looking for a theme there. You know, Isaac loves his, his thick suits, so. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of thick suits, oh, my God, the doms are here. <laughs> Is this when the doms come? I can't I can't remember. I think, yeah, they come out of nowhere, remember? Supporting Lacus, right? Lacus, they do, right? yeah. Yeah. The, 
they just show up. There's almost no no explanation. There might be like one sense. Oh, by the way, we got some support units. Yeah, there's like so Lacoose manufactures three DOMs. She has her own Black TriStar team. Yeah. You know, out of the Zaku Guf Dom, are they the most ripoff of the original? They they basically look like a normal Dom. Like if you had put that in a UC story in like I don't know the mid UC 80s, I would believe that it was a UC design. Yeah, I would absolutely say that they're have no change to my knowledge. I'm trying to think. Well, okay, I'll say this: no physical change. They're a little rounder, maybe. Maybe in some areas. Oh well, I think the the shoulder pads are more larger. But I will say they definitely have a different set of abilities. They had those beam shields. Yeah. So that that's probably their biggest difference. Other than that, they're nearly identical. How angry were you when the Dom showed up, Isaac? I was first surprised, kind of <laughs> happy to see them, and then I got angry because I realized that they've taken something that was great and they've brought it here to see Destiny where things are not great. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's like hearing about like your favorite food, like your favorite snack was like taken to like a garbage dump. You know, at, at that point you're kind of like, well, that, that just you just wasted it. But, you know, <laughs> it didn't need to go over there. It should have gone to me. It didn't need to go over there. And... <laughs> Can you bring yourself joy with the idea that maybe someone saw those and they were like, oh, let me look up the Dom. And then they found all the like original Doms and then they maybe they beca- you know became a fan of those Doms. It's only slightly, but at the same time, no, because if this is their first encounter and they liked it, they're probably going to rank this one higher. Just like how I mm-hmm. enc- encountered the Dom Troppen first. Fair. And I liked that Dom the most out of all the Dom series. Yeah, that's fair. You know, this is an example of fan service backfiring, right? Yeah, pretty much. And it's uh, the, the, this whole series, as far as Zapt is concerned, has been fan service. Like, say what you will about the Earth Alliance and like having somewhat un- uninspired designs, but at least they have them. Right. At least they're trying new things. Zapt, they just control C for everything <laughs> in the Universal Century that like Z- the Zeon had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, the Destroy, I thought that was a great design, um, or at least it was very original, right? Yeah, its use was original, its size, and the role in the story. Yeah. It was very much a good breath of fresh air, and it really fits, you know, Blue Cosmos slash Logos. Right. So right after revealing these Gundams, you know, Atherin's a little wishy-washy as to whether or not he wants it. Durandal gets a pic of Atherin's meeting with the Archangel crew with, from Ray, and he decides to arrest him. So now Atherin is going to be public enemy number one. Ray pursues Atherin in Atherin's escape, he does steal a goof, and he inadvertently takes Mayrin with him. And so Shin and Ray end up pursuing Atherin in the Destiny and the Legend. And they shoot him down with Mayrin inside. And here's another good uh, example, Isaac, of where the audience can no longer trust what we're seeing because Shin basically destroys the goof pretty much the same way he destroyed the Freedom. It's a big cockpit explosion. The goof goes down. Yet immediately we find out that Atherin and Mayrin are not dead and they were somehow picked up by an orb ship and they are already recuperating in the Archangel's med bay. So how many times does this have to happen, Isaac, before you start to feel a little... There's no real sense of danger. It's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Technically it happened with Moo. That's true. Right? Because we know he vaporized and then they bring him back. Not even with like animation of like a, a escape pod or anything like that because we know those don't exist for mobile suits. <laughs> but that's when it originally happened. That was the zero event. Right. So I guess <laughs> my question to you listeners is if you're a big fan of, of C Destiny, I want to know and you know obviously this main character armor is it's not working for Isaac and I. It doesn't necessarily mean it's 
bad you know i mean you can like it i want to know how do you rationalize it to yourself or, or why do you like it i guess like how do you get through the series without kind of rolling your eyes at this point or do you and you just forgive it no i don't think it can be forgiven because either they didn't have enough ideas or they had their little committee meeting and they thought to themselves these characters are gold they have to come back to the detriment of the new characters you know because we get so little time with them yeah and i'm fine with them not killing them i just think they should do it in a less deceiving way you know what i mean yeah like are you saying you're okay with moo coming back you just prefer it was done differently no no i'm well moo i think is sort of unforgivable because that was between the series but i'm saying within this series you know you you blew up kira's cockpit you blew up atherin's cockpit and they're both surviving if you don't want to kill them, that's fine, but just don't blow up the cockpit or find some other way to get rid of their suits without blowing them up in a way that it looks like they're dead, I guess. Okay, so would you be okay with Moo coming back as long as he's like almost a cyborg, really, or just half the man he used to be? Like he's missing like limbs and like he's all burnt up, kind of? <laughs> a cyborg parts would be a nice touch, but I think it's hard to justify him coming back at all, Isaac. Yeah, yeah, I... <sighs> Given that, wasn't he, like, reduced to dust? Did, when, when when that beam, like, finished firing, wasn't the strike basically gone? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there, there was nothing there. The Lohengrin perfectly dissolved everything there before burning out. Yeah, I mean, with respect to Mu, look, you know, there's that one point, I forget, I think it's episode 33. He's in the medical bay, wakes up, and makes a joke. And Ramius, she cries, runs away, and Mu asks if he's supposed to know them. And someone says, um... Like, how is this possible? And someone else says, I don't know, but it is. And that's essentially the same line, Isaac, as somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> yes, that's literally it. You know, we're going to hand wave it away. We don't know how it happened, but it's happening. Right. And maybe <laughs> if they had given us an episode dedicated to, like, how Moo survived, I'd be okay with it. Oh, that would have been the perfect recap episode. Anyway, so, you know, now Shin has shot down Atherin and Mayrin. Everyone believes that Atherin and Mayrin are dead. Uh, Durandal spins it that Atherin and Mayrin were working for Logos, and, you know, that Logos corrupted them and they're traitors. Now the whole plan, Isaac, is for Azaf to attack Heaven's Base, the headquarters of Logos, which, by the way, Isaac, I find it very hard to believe that if Logos is of such a standing as they say it is, this big international cabal Illuminati, I mean, it's Logos, that's kind of a standing for Illuminati, right? Yeah, I mean, they're like, you know, quote unquote, the elite and right. they, they run these companies and, you know, they, they all have, they're all connected at their little country club. So yeah, it's very much a, an elite type secret society that's clearly an enemy. Do you think that if they are, are this sophisticated, that they would all be located in one spot? Um, it seemed like the situation had forced them to, mm -hmm. you know, events forced them to kind of really get together because they were on the run. It would have been a bit more interesting, I suppose, if a few members said, no, I think I'll take my chances in, you know, I don't know, some, some neutral area of the world or something, you know, or, or in, on the run on my own. But they decided to all just go there. Yeah. Just seems awful convenient that they're almost all in the same spot. I, I don't think that's very yeah good evil plan of them. So The ones that survived after Durandal outed Logos' existence and the, the whole world turned against them. Yes. And Isaac, so here comes Cardinal Sin number two. Luna blames Logos for corrupting Atherin and Mayrin, and now all of a sudden she gets with Shin for no reason. They kiss and they're now a couple. I mean, good grief, okay? It didn't make sense for her to be with Shin before he shot down Mayrin, and now it makes even less sense for her to be with Shin after shooting down Mayrin. She spent the first half of the show talking about how Shin is basically an ass. 
And she even said that she wanted Atherin to put him in his place so that he stops being so, so full of himself. And now all of a sudden she loves him. Yeah, it's just bad writing. I, I can't chalk it up to anything else. <laughs> it's terrible. I am convinced, Isaac, Luna and Mayrin's fates were originally switched. I think it would have made more sense if you look at the first half of the show that Luna was meant to escape with Atherin and Mayrin was supposed to end up with Shin. At some point, they switched it. And it doesn't make sense because Luna... This is going back to the, the fake Lacoose knowledge. She never plays that card, Isaac. She never plays it. Yeah, that's true. At any time before the fake Lacoose is revealed, she could have just told Shin about it, and the plot would have unfolded differently. And she just either seemingly forgot about this, because it, if, if she reveals it or acknowledges that she knows it, it makes all of her decisions about continuing to fall to Randall not make sense. See, this is why this series is so puzzling. Because it seemed like, you know, we zigged when we were going to zag. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a good way. Like, you know, oh, what a twist. I mean, like, well, it almost seems like we were, the, the writing and the plot just turned on a dime. You know, yes. like they got a new writing team or something. <laughs> I, think, I believe there's a lot of interviews out there talking about, you know, why the show went a certain way. I've not read them and I don't think Isaac has either. This is just our unfiltered opinion at this point. Maybe we'll go back and read them one day, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. So yeah if i'm wrong in this someone please let me know but that's what it seems like to me it seems like luna was being set up to you know be on the side of atherin he was she had a crush on him it would make way more sense for her to have left with atherin than mayrin and mayrin was sort of being set up as the person who didn't care as much as luna remember mayrin didn't go see luna when she got hurt that more aligns with like shin's view of things you know he doesn't care about atherin blah 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 so i just anyway and to go back to your earlier point, Isaac, about the fake Lacoose knowledge that Luna had being the biggest intrigue in the show, you're right, but they never used it. So that not only is her getting with Shin, in my opinion, not great, but they didn't even use the one thing that they had going for them that could have like blown the plot wide open on the Durandal side. How do you not yeah. do that? Because they really wanted a shootout <laughs> to happen <laughs> later on with like Durandal, Durandal goons and then, uh, you know, Lacus goons. <laughs> yeah, my, my theory is that had she told Shin, it would have forced Shin to leave or at least not ally with Durandal. And then you're left with too little on the Durandal side. Who's he got left? Ray? Ray can't fight uh, Kira, Shin, and Athrin, and Mu, and Kigali. No, he'd be dead. Right. So I think they had to exit that. But they already introduced the card of knowledge. It just tells me they didn't think ahead or, or something changed in a, in a very serious way. So very curious your thoughts on that, listeners. Am I off base here about Luna? I feel like she turned into a, a different person. I feel like this was a character assassination. This was a character sacrifice of Luna in order to get the plot to move forward. Yeah, and and boy, did it move forward oh. with a bunch of turns and, and <laughs> oh, spinning, <did> ever. <laughs> spinning twists until we... Until we reach the end of this series. <laughs> so, like I said, Luna blames Logos for corrupting Atherin and Mayrin. She gets with Shin. Now, Jabril sends out five more destroys, Isaac, which are taken out rather handily by Shin and Rey this time. So what did you think about the destroys fall from grace here? Because before it was like this big threat. It, it did wonderfully in the first battle. And now Shin and Rey just they run through five of them with, with not a whole lot of problem. Yeah, the the destroy pretty much becomes like the ninja. I think it's called like the inverse ninja law. <laughs> it's the number of ninjas is like correlates to how powerful there are or, or how unpowerful they are, I should say. So say, for example, you're playing a video game, you know, and you, you're, you're like, I don't know, you're a samurai or something. You go into like the room 
and guess what? There's one ninja there. Wow, this guy's going to be really <laughs> powerful, you know, because it's one ninja as opposed to, you know, you're playing a video game and you, you, you go into, you know, a courtyard and there's like 80 ninjas in there. Oh, you're going to, it's going to be a, a button masher. You know, <laughs> you're going to fight like, you're going to go through these guys like butter. Oh, man. Because each one individually is weak. You're so right. That's perfect. Yeah, that is exactly what happened with the destroy. First, it came out with a bang. And then once they start flooding the screen with them, flooding the battlefield, you know, they're going to be incompetent. They went out with a whimper. It was destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're so right about the ninja thing. And is that like, is that disappointing? I think in a way it is. Like, instead of seeing multiple destroys, it kind of would have been more impactful if we saw the destroy again. Like, except they call it like perfect destroy. And like, it was just way more powerful. You know, they Mm -hmm. fixed the flaws. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it's... It's, it's they one upped it and it was able to do a lot more damage or kill certain members of the characters. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, maybe yeah. they were trying to just make the destiny and the legend seem that much better, but I think all it did was make the uh-huh. destroy seem worse. And yeah, you're right. Maybe they should have upgraded it and just focused on one. This was the fight where Sting, one of the extended, the last living extended, was he was piloting one of them, but like they never revealed who was piloting the other four, right? Yeah, just regular grunts, you know. Yeah, or maybe they could have said that Sting was controlling all five of them. Maybe that would have made sense. I don't know. Uh, that would have been interesting. That would almost take us into, like, uh, you know, remote-controlled, you know, kind of a doll situation almost. Right, yeah. And that could have explained, like, why they did so terrible. Like, maybe he wasn't able to focus on all five or something. But I'm sure all Destroy fans cried out in, in pain as all five were taken out with uh, <laughs> simple slashes. <laughs> like Yoda like, or, or Obi-Wan just they cried out in terror. <laughs> By the way, on the Destroy, I'm not really convinced that it actually needs a pilot. Because, like, it has that sort of, like, all-range firing thing. Why don't they just put it in the city and just, like, do that? Like, remote order it, program it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have had the same effect, really. But, like, I don't know. They they needed... I mean, it's not dramatic. I get it, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. That, that would have not only worked from, like, uh, combat-wise, but story-wise, too, because, you know, who's ruthless enough to use machines like that in warfare? Of course, Blue Cosmos. Of course, Logos. So, like I said, Sting, he's now dead after this battle. After Shin and, and Ray take them out, the Alliance surrenders. But Isaac Jabril lives to fight another day. He escapes again. And he abandons all the other Logos people <laughs> who are still at Heaven's base, and they all get taken into custody. Isaac, do you think Jabril is bad at his job a little bit? Like, he's constantly frustrated when information about Blue Cosmos or the Alliance gets broadcast. He's always having to, like, abandon bases Durandal, he eventually broadcasts the destroy fight, and Jabril is like shocked. Like, did he not think people were going to find out about this? Apparently not. Like, he very much seems to be outclassed by Durandal, and I wonder if that's they clearly want us to see that. I assume, right? Durandal's Mister uh, Mister Chess, right? And Jabril's been so arrogant, he just kind of pets his cat and plots and thinks he's <laughs> going to be ahead of everybody, and and his plans are always going to work. You know, I'm, I'm really surprised more that the Logos guys don't kind of call him out on it more, right? You think they would have done that after the, the nuke thing didn't work out? Oh, yeah. Well, they were mad at him, but yeah, they didn't make any effort to really yeah. get rid of him, right? Say what you will about, like, Roma Feller, but, like, if you mess up once in leadership, like, they hand you that ceremonial pistol. <laughs> <laughs> they say, do what needs to be done here. Yeah, you you could instantly lose power in, like, the space of a conversation at, at Roma Feller. Like, maybe maybe Logos should take some notes. <laughs> yeah, Logos was just all complaining with no action, so. Yeah. Oh, Jabril. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so here's where the plot takes a little bit of a weird turn, Isaac. Lacus all of a sudden thinks that Durandal wants to create a new world order. And Waltfeld finds one page of a notebook from a genetic research station at a colony that mentions the Destiny Plan in, like, red text. And he immediately gives his thoughts on it as if he, like, knows what the Destiny Plan is. This is our first introduction to the Destiny Plan, which I'm going to get to a little <laughs> bit later, which is, like, I don't know, another cardinal sin of this show. This, this felt very similar, Isaac, to, you know, Lieutenant Burning finding the notebook. But I feel like yeah. <laughs> in the Lieutenant Burning instance, he died and we, like, didn't really hear about it. Here, like, they have this notebook that someone left behind and they're inferring in, in like, a 30-second snip about the entire point of the show. And we're on episode, like, 35 at this point. I mean, what did you think when you first heard the Destiny plan? At first, I knew it wasn't going to be anything good <laughs> because, you know, the heroes found it and it was kind of a secret. But, like, later on when we hear the the full explanation, the animated explanation, it was still kind of like, well, that that doesn't sound, like, super sinister. And at the <laughs> same time, it, it almost sounds stupid as far as, like, a villainous plot, you know? Yeah, and if you could even call it an explanation, I mean, there's not much to it, really. Right. I think there's a lot of things off here, Isaac. So, one, it's introduced too late. So I think we first, yeah. I think this is in episode 39 when this happens. I think we get more about it in episodes 44 and 47. Now out of your 50 episode show, if this is the, if this is the end game, I feel like we need to hear about it sooner, first of all. They did kind of explain that, well, not explain it, but like, uh, Drianel had to keep the war going to take out Logo since they were really his only threat. And once they were gone, then he can announce this ridiculous genetic career placement plan. <laughs> Yeah, he basically just wants to give everyone jobs. Yeah, your job will be tied to your genetics and what you're good at, which was, that was kept so vague. Like, I wonder why people both were supporting it and against it at the same time, right? Like, there's there's no really details on how this is actually going to work out. Right, it was so poorly explained. (laughs) How would this be enforced? Is it retrospective? (laughs) Is it prospective? Like, is, is your job canceled? Do you just get a new one on Monday? The economic <laughs> impact of this is going to be huge. Like the everyone's going to have to retrain in their jobs. This just a, I'm not sure this makes any sense, Isaac. Yeah, Zaf better have like the uh, Zaf better have millions of factories putting out like genetic tests or something like that, and having uh, tutors on standby to to, to <laughs> interpret these these genetic results. Because how would you even test for something like that in in the population? You know, like it's so insane. Like it, we can't really even do that. I think right. Like nobody does a genetic test. Oh, you're you should be a weatherman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what? if yeah if That's someone insane. said, oh, you know what, you you turns out you should have been a a surgeon well like guess what now i gotta go to school for like 15 years yeah like (laughs) oh maybe maybe. are you saying the destiny plan would have been great brian because like it's going to require like mass amounts of people to just get get some student loans and like go (laughs) back to school and we're gonna have a very educated population at the end of the destiny (laughs) plan it'd be a boom for the education system yeah the universities they'd be raking it in man but there's not not everyone can't go to school at once though isaac this there's so many problems here. That that's my point. It'll it'll be a night school plan. <laughs> Gundam Seed Night School. That's a sequel. <laughs> and then, are you required to just accept this new job, or like they don't get to vote on it? Like they just have to take it? Yeah. I don't know. What if the results come back and like it's not that many people are like cut out to be engineers, but like what if we need more engineers? <laughs> like someone should have sat Drandall down and explained. Look, p- people kind of take jobs like for the money. <laughs> 
I know we like to talk about like what you're good at genetics and stuff, but like the world doesn't really work like that. Like how are we going to reshape the world? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Does, does Durandal's destiny plan come with a comprehensive universal basic income plan? Yeah, Zaf doesn't even work like that. Remember, uh, was it Nicole? Yeah, he was from Money. Yeah, he he was like a really good pianist, right? He mm-hmm. clearly wanted to be a pianist and not, not enjoy music, create music, and play music instead of being a pilot. <laughs> but like, we didn't need a genetic test to tell us that. <laughs> oh, sorry, kid. Says here you need to get your ass in that cockpit and, and go yeah. get uh, <laughs> go get killed by the strike Gundam. A terrible reveal for the big plot that Durandal was behind. I I wonder what else they they had on the on the whiteboard, you know, for him to actually be behind. But here we are. What this strikes me as, Isaac, this is a fine novel sci-fi story, the Destiny Plan. But I don't think Gundam is the vehicle for it, let alone in like the mid forties of like your fifty episode Gundam show to all of a sudden say that this is what your plan is. It reminds me of the alien reveal in the double O movie. Like, you know, conversation with alien thing is a fine sci-fi story. I'm just not sure that Gundam is the vehicle for this. Yeah. I, if you did do a show about the destiny plan, I feel like that's a whole other 50 episode show just about that. I don't see why Gundams are involved at all. No, no, it should have almost been included as like, maybe from the beginning, this was something they introduced and like, the Earth Alliance's reaction was, oh, heck no, you know, and then even more people became Blue Cosmos fanatics, and that got the ball rolling, but yeah. kind of introducing it in, in, in Durandal was, you know, he, 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 tapping his fingers together, <laughs> this is my evil plan. It was like, really? This is your plan? Like, even if governments say yes, it's going to be decades to roll this out. Right. <laughs> and the economic upheaval is just, I'm not sure it makes any sense, so. No. Anyway, back to our battle plot. Um, Kira goes out to space to get uh, Lacus, and he basically gets the strike Gundam destroyed in the process. The strike Gundam got destroyed real quick, Isaac. That that was weird. He brings back the strike Freedom, the Infinite Justice, and Lacus with him. She's piloting the Infinite Justice just to get it down there. Shin gets a medal for his efforts at Heaven's Base, and now Luna's like, "Oh my God, Shin, you're the best. I love you so much." Again, <laughs> who is this Luna? I don't like it, Isaac. Man. Zaft attacks Orb again, Isaac. How many confrontations do we need to have here? So this time, the Durandal's logic is that Orb is harboring Jabril. And uh, he's actually right. Yuna's family, they, they're having, like, tea with, with Jabril at their house. Not a good look, Isaac. So Zaft is basically like, well, we're going to go in there, we're going to kick your door down, and we're going to take out Jabril. So at this point, Kigali is like, she's going to go out to fight. And Isaac, she's given the Akatsuki which is this great mobile suit that Orb has had this whole time behind a big door. <laughs> what did you think when they were just like, nah, don't worry about it. We got this great suit here that your dad left for you. Do you want it? We've had it. Like, why didn't they use it before? Yeah, right? It's because the writers needed a suit available at that specific moment. Something new to reveal for the final act of the show. Is that a trope? <laughs> like like a bird out of a hat trope or something? You know, it just appeared. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, God. Does it even and make sense? Like, her dad can't have left it for her. Her dad died before he would have had all that data, right? He would have said something, too. <laughs> he would have said something at their very critical final conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like, oh, by the way, I left you this cool thing, and it's in hangar number 12. Don't forget it. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, so she takes the Akatsuki, and she goes out, and the, the Akatsuki, Isaac, I mean... Would you agree this is basically like a Hyakushiki analog? It's got the reflective anti-beam coating. It's all gold. Um, it looks pretty cool. It's probably one of my favorite designs in the series. 
like I feel like though, whereas the Hyakushiki sort of reflected beams, like it kind of helped you out. The Akatsuki really takes it to a new level where it reflects the beam back in the exact sort of angle that like it was fired upon. That that's a little silly. But what did you think of the Akatsuki? I didn't care for it much. It was very generic almost. <laughs> I liked it with the space pack. I thought the the space pack version was cool. It has like its own dragoons. You know, Kigali's she's going to pilot in this one battle and then she's going to end up giving it to Mu. I mean, you could argue why is the Akatsuki in this show at all, but because they really wanted <laughs> they wanted a callback again, right? They they control seed Zeta. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And what I don't like is the Dragoons are good and all. We all know their funnels, fins, bits, whatever. But like this one has them on the shoulders and the backpack. So it makes this sort of weird. There's too many points. <laughs> <laughs> too many. I mean, it has less points than the Providence though. I don't know. Yeah, but the Providence was like a radial design. Like that's kind of pleasing to the eye. This is just like all upper body, all shoulders. <laughs> Look, they were trying to maximize the space they were working <laughs> It was a big cavern. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice, Isaac? Or I read this on the wiki. I, I I can't recall this, but apparently in the original show, it was just kind of this gold, flat gold color. But in the HD remaster, it was like this golden sheen. <laughs> they they paid a few animators to like work a little bit longer on it. Give it an yeah. extra twenty minutes. They sp- <laughs> they spruced it up. But but don't you think like bits aside and all that, and drag- sorry, dragoons aside, which you know they're kind of all over the place now. It's kind of generic, right? Shield, rifle, that's it. It's just been rhinestoned <laughs> in gold. Besides the Dragoons, which I agree it's not, it, it, it can't claim that gimmick as its own. Uh, it is a fairly no. normal suit, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's very Buster Gundam, except they, they chromed it up. They, they goldened <laughs> it up. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was cool. There's no master grade of the Akatsuki. Hang on. Do you think it's cool? Because... It looks cool on its own or because you like how much it looks like Hyakushiki? No, I, well, okay. So I like the Hyakushiki more. I have the Master Grade Hyakushiki. I do think the Akatsuki looks fine on its own though. I I, I would definitely build one. I don't know that I would really buy it per se. Look, I'm not saying, like, I don't love a whole lot of designs from this show, but if I had to rank my designs, which maybe we'll do at the end here, it would, the Akatsuki would be like in my top five of this show. Wow. That's kind of surprising. I, I, for me personally it's too generic you know it looks like a second rate uh hyakushiki which had like way more class and interesting design to it i guess i can kind of understand some of its design it's i would almost want to see it next to an astray and and like then it could kind of nod and say mm-hmm. okay i see what orb was doing yeah i do i do think it maybe looks too much like the astray uh, i give you that yeah at this point, after Kigali gets the Akatsuki, she fights Shin for a little bit. She's about to die, and then, lo and behold, Isaac, the Strike Freedom, and Kira appears in the sky, and and they, you know, he he stops Shin and he saves her. Uh, and then I think Shin has to retreat or something, but Kigali, Kigali eventually barges into the Orb headquarters. She berates Yuna. She takes over command of the battle. That's probably like the best moment of the show for her. Would you agree? Even though her character's kind of been assassinated, like we talked about before. Um, given that she was sort of a wet blanket in the first half. But the, when she takes over this battle and punches Yuna and stuff, I, that was good. Yeah, it was it was her only redeeming moment, really, because, as we remember, Kigali in the last series was the, a strong, assured leader. And then at this series starts, she's so collared and chained by Yuna's family and how hampered she is in decisions 
here she was she was back to form. Yeah. It was a very dizzying way that they decided her to to come back to the Kigali we knew, but yeah, here she is finally here to save the day and take command. Atherin goes out in the Infinite Justice. He's all hurt still, but he goes out anyway. He's bleeding. He goes and helps Kira because Kira is being double teamed at this point by Shin and Rey. Uh, oh, and then Yuna finally dies, Isaac. Did you like his death? He refuses to go to a, a shelter and a goof lands on him. <laughs> Yuna was such a, a problem and a menace, but it felt like such a bizarre death at the same time. You know, I, I almost wanted him to like join Lord Jabril and then die later on, right? On a, on a ship or something. Yeah, it was weird. I, it, it did seem like they were maybe setting him up up for more i mean his death was sort of fitting in the sense that he was defeated by his own hubris but uh yeah they built him up so much and then he kind of just died like a pancake <laughs> <laughs> so and then we get a really funny moment here isaac this is a, like a recurring thing that people do in this show they just decide to hold like a world broadcast yeah the laws is <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the laws strategy yeah Delaz is clearly doing like their IT or something because they 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 can break into any feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but except it's like more complicated than that because she decides to broadcast to the whole world to clear everything up. She's about to talk about logos and and all this stuff, but then like her feed is interrupted by Mir Campbell masquerading as Lacus uh, and giving a speech about how Orb is bad because they're harboring logos. But then Mir's broadcast is interrupted again by by the real Akus who's now standing with Kigali <laughs> and did you notice that like for a while they were picture in picture and so for listeners who maybe are too young for this picture in picture used to be a thing where like uh, I don't know in like the mid late 90s that was a big thing on TVs Isaac remember they were like you can watch two <laughs> things at once and there would be like a little picture in the corner of your screen that has the other channel and then like channel number two being like in the big screen anyway they were picture in picture yeah. for a while, Isaac, which means that like whoever's controlling these broadcasts is like working with each other. Like this doesn't make any sense. How can they keep competing with, with broadcasts? This that's not how technology works. Yeah, it. I I don't know. <laughs> it just what, what I liked was how how Mir gets more crushed like every second. You know, <laughs> she seems so lost and confused as like Lacus just does what she does best and just runs all over her with her words. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Mir? In general, um, clearly a victim. Yeah. What do you think about her as a character, and then also what do you think about her just as a plot? Like as a plot, as a fake Lacus, I think I'm fine with that. It's a little silly, but I think it sort of worked out. And then as a character, you think she's a? You think she, is she tragic? I would say yeah, she's tragic because at first she seemed like very competent and understanding of her role. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, her mind just got so warped and she thought she was a real Lacus. And then uh, it's clear that Durandal's kind of really manipulating her with her little handler. I wish kind of more was done with it, actually. Since it was there, I wish they did more with it. Yeah, I agree. She, I would definitely say she's a victim and pretty tragic at the end. It is a little weird how she kept flipping between like, I am the real Lacus to then at the end being like, please remember me for who I was. And I was like, well, that's not what you said five minutes ago. But a pretty sad story all around for her, I, I think. Yeah, but I mean, she's got to go down. We can only have one. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one, Lacus. <laughs> so after this weird competing broadcast, Isaac, we sort of enter the the super weapon endgame part of the show, which I'm sure you enjoyed, even if all of the accompanying plot points were like maybe not the strongest. But at least watching the super weapons was probably fun, right? So in space, the Jewel team finds a hollowed out space colony. So it's like a picture, like an old, like an O'Neill colony with with no end caps. And it turns out this is actually a relay reflector station for Jibril's new weapon called Requiem. 
how would you describe Requiem, Isaac? Because it's probably one of the more powerful super weapons we've seen in Gundam. Yeah, so Requiem is pretty cool. I'd say, well, Nibelung was cool too at Heaven's Base, but that kind of only shot like in a funnel (laughs) into the sky. But Requiem fires a beam from the moon, and this is a massive beam. Like This Mm -hmm. is probably the biggest beam weapon we've seen in Gundam Seed um, or Gundam Seed Destiny. And it fires at these colony segments, so they're sort of cylindrical chunks. Um, When the beam hits these chunks, it's able to curve, so you can kind of bounce through multiple you know, cylinder fragments and that allows it to hit a target. And of course, what's Logos going to target? The plants. And boy, Requiem lives up to its name because it kills a lot of coordinators. <laughs> so what's puzzling to me, like I guess if I was on Logos, I would have been yelling at uh, Jabril. I'd say, we don't even need to go to war yet. We just need like three weeks until Requiem's online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait. Right? <laughs> he just needed to wait. No one like, knew about it. <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing like with nuclear weapons? Like, we'll be done with this weapon within a month, and then we don't even need to announce any type of war. We can just turn it on and fire. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills at the Logos meetings. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And in that same vein, did you find it entertaining when uh, the Zaf people were complaining, like, why didn't we see this hollowed-out colony before? But then it turned out that there were, I don't know, f- five other, ten other relay stations, right, Isaac? So, like... Not only should Logos just have waited, but on the other hand, isn't Zaft like inept at their space patrol, like finding these hollowed out colony relay stations? There was a lot of them floating up there. Yeah, but that goes even further than Requiem because like Zaft clearly didn't know what members of their military were doing when they dropped the ruins of Junia 7. Zaft is almost too small of a population to really run well. As we saw last season with Patrick Zalas coup and then uh, Siegel Klein dying, and their whole government kind of imploding and getting replaced now by by uh, Durandal. Speaking of Junius Seven, it just occurred to me: Is Junius Seven the the Operation Stardust of the Cosmic Era? If it is, it kind of went better. <laughs> <laughs> Delage, you should have chopped up your colony before you dropped it. Yeah, because like. I'd say they're comparable. Yeah, I I I definitely say they're comparable. Well, technically, I guess it might be the Operation British, right? Because it's the first time in in Seed where something fell to Earth. Yeah, I was going at it from the from the perspective of like the Zaft remnant holding on to the old ideology. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good point. Yeah, except Zala never would like articulate his ideology other than kill the naturals. Yeah, you know, you, you can we can fit that on a bumper sticker. You don't, you know, you need it to be short. I don't know if if those Zala fans, if they found another asteroid, they probably could have kept doing drops, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it seemed fairly easy for them. They're really good at doing a drop very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> So Jabril fires this thing, and like you said, he aimed it at the capital, but he kind of missed. Um, the jewel team had thrown off that first relay station, and instead it took out like what appeared to me, Isaac, to be like civilian colonies. And it seems anywhere from like three to ten other plants were taken out, either in, in the direct hit or the you know <laughs> mass chaos that occurred afterwards. That's another thing. Like I would be yelling at Jabril, like, "What do you mean we missed? It looks like we we it went flawless because we hit like seven of them." <laughs> Like, you were only aiming at one, and you took out seven. We took out, like, a third of their country. <laughs> like, we're, I think we're doing pretty great. Like, were you aiming at one? <laughs> we should miss more often. <laughs> Why didn't you just aim at all of them? Yeah, like, can't we wait to, like, line them up or something? <laughs> this weapon works great. We should have built two. <laughs> 
So Lacus then takes this opportunity to explain the destiny plan because we, we very clearly needed some character to stop and explain this thing to us because we didn't know what it was. And we still don't really know what it is. But her point of her speech, Isaac, is that we can't let this happen. So then everyone's like, oh, well, now there's a new super weapon. Let's all go destroy uh, Requiem. That's kind of the theme of this show. A super weapon crops up, everyone decides it's bad, and everyone goes and attacks it. So Requiem is on the moon. Our Zaf pilots, Shin, Ray, and Luna, they get to the moon. And spoilers, Isaac, they destroy the, the base it's at called Daedalus. Ray takes out your, your man here. Ray kills Jabril with the dragoons in a pretty good fashion uh jabril is kind of like incinerated what did you think about his death it kind of sort of kind of came out of nowhere yeah but i mean at the same time i was trying to think there's nowhere to go <laughs> yeah like you're getting in that ship but this is where you ran to from earth like i don't think there's are you gonna f- flee back to earth where you yeah, know? that's fair. You, you can only escape so many times, right? It is what it is, but at the same time, uh, it, it was a pretty cool death. You know, he he get the whole kind of dissolve thing that they do sometimes, and then like his face like fades into white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Zaf destroys the Daedalus base. They destroy, um, and they take control. Well, I guess they don't destroy it. I guess they they take control of Requiem, right, Isaac? Yeah, they apparently it wasn't damaged at all when they took it, <laughs> because they're able to get it up and running almost immediately. Yes. Well, actually, before that happens, we get a very, like, we get a shore leave episode, Isaac, just to kill off Mir Campbell, which I thought was a real momentum killer. Not that the plot is the greatest, but, like, if we're we're in super weapon mode here, and then all of a sudden the characters take a break on the moon. Basically, Mir's handlers find out that, you know, their Archangel crew is on the moon, and they set up this trap, but things happen, and Mir ends up taking the bullet for meant for Lacus, and she dies, and blah blah blah, which is weird because like if they knew that the Archangel crew was there, Isaac, shouldn't they try to take out like Kira and Athrin as the pilots of the Freedom and the Justice, who are like way bigger of a problem? Probably, but at the same time, like look, fake Lacus's handlers there, so I assume she was running the show in the field. Her knowledge is maybe limited a bit. She's really focused on taking out the real Lacus. So yeah, that, that's, that's kind of why I chalked up to the whole shootout, too. Technically, this was like our only good shootout in the series. <laughs> it was a pretty big shootout, yeah. Athrin was really getting it done. Yeah, yeah. He Man, they, no matter how many goons they threw, they, they really took them all out. And then, <laughs> of course, who goes down? Mir. She's also going to die, of course. Yeah. Can't have two Lacuses. No. After this, Durandal announces his destiny plan to the world. Because, again, we need yet another explanation of the Destiny Plan because we still really don't know what it is. And he's still pretty vague on the enforcement provisions, as we've discussed. Ray, at this point, Isaac starts to go a little crazy. He starts to be a little bit more like Rao. He needs to take his crazy pills. And he explains to to Shin that he has short telomeres and he's not going to live much longer. And like you said, Isaac, Requiem's still working. Durandal fires Requiem at the Atlantic Federation base on the moon, which I believe they called Arazeku. We never actually saw too much of that, but apparently that's where the Atlantic Federation president was hiding. Was he kind of like the last person in Logos they didn't have? I guess so, but like, <laughs> yeah, it, it it didn't really, yeah, that had to be it. <laughs> but was he just was that just an excuse to fire Requiem? I think it was. I mean, technically, he wasn't in Logos. It seemed right, like he was under their influence, but not quite a member. Yeah, I don't know that he was a member, but they kept saying, oh, you know, he wants to talk to you, Durandal, you know, what do you yeah. want to do? And then so he just, <laughs> <All right. laughs> just yeah. shoot him. <laughs> Let's shoot him with my space gun that curves. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear him boil. <laughs> The moon's really getting beat up here, Isaac. So, of course, you know, everyone's like, all right, let's go take out Requiem. So the Archangel and the Eternal, 
They take out the Requiem Relay Station with the meteors. You know, we get the meteors again, Isaac, which I believe are just the same meteors from the first show. Are they different? I think they're the same, right? Yeah, they're the same ones. They're, they've always been there because the ship's always there. The ship's still there. Yeah, yeah. So the meteors show up again because everyone likes meteors, and then we basically do the same thing that we did in the first show, which is going to continue a theme for the last few episodes, Isaac. We're going to do pretty much the same thing we did in the first show, but we're going to do it again with the same characters just because. And so we, we yeah. get the meteors. We do the same thing. Uh, Moo then does the same thing that he did in the first show, Isaac. So the, the Minerva and the Archangel are engaged in combat. Minerva fires a Tannhauser at the Archangel, which is a little bit doomed. And they, you know, Ramius is like, oh, if I move, it's going to hit the Eternal, so we'll just take it. But Moo gets there, and he takes the shot with his body again. But this time, everything's hunky-dory because he has the Akatsuki. <laughs> and he's fine. He just shrugs it off, and he shoots the Tannhauser and blows it up. And then, Isaac, we get into the duels, the end duels, Kira and Ray duel. So Kira fights in the Freedom 2.0. He fights the Providence 2.0. Athern and Shin duel. Uh, and then Durandal uh, fires, you know, Neogenesis from his new base, Messiah, which is this sort of junk-looking asteroid thing with a rod through it. Yeah, it's ugly. They put, like, Genesis into an asteroid and then put, like, a ring around it, but... yeah. It's mobile, and it, it doesn't look cool. Genesis also felt underwhelming after Requiem. Yeah, absolutely. It's It was pretty much just an excuse for them to show that they were equally evil because they were going to use the remnants of Requiem to curve lasers. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, spoilers, Kira beats Ray. Shocking. <laughs> like much, much the same that he beat, you know, Rao. Very similar yeah. battle. Almost as if they're clones. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, <laughs> Although I would say yeah. that Rao put up a much better fight than Ray. Oh, yeah. Rao was like, they they got to the point where they're fighting inside Genesis. It was neck and neck for a while. Uh, Atherin beats both Luna and Shin. So Shin finally gets his comeuppance. Atherin basically you know, beats him down and is like, what are you doing? Is this how you really wanted to wield your power? Stop lying to yourself about what Durandal's doing. And he cuts off both of Destiny's arms and a leg. And basically just Destiny falls to the, to the moon, defeated. Uh, then the Archangel and Atherin, they beat the Minerva. The Archangel shoots it, and Atherin runs his little infinite justice drone thing through the Minerva's engines, grounding the Minerva on the moon. This was a very weird part in the show, Isaac, in the sense that our entire original cast, the, the Destiny cast, I should say, has been defeated, right? Shin's defeated, Luna's defeated, Ray's defeated, the Minerva's down. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I guess they, they became the antagonist, sort of. But, like, what did you feel at this point? It was, it was weird. It was kind of like a hollow feeling, right? Yeah, at this point, I'm just watching events unfold because it feels like such a bizarre finale. You know, uh, Durandal has like a throne room <laughs> out of nowhere. And, and of course, you know, all the old characters from the last series come back and just crush everybody new that we've met for no reason almost. You know, once again, it's up to them to save the world. And, and our new cast are just sort of helpless idiots. Yeah, they were they were shoved aside. Shin did fairly well, but at the same time, he was just kind of crushed in the last battle. It, it wasn't even that close of a fight. Right, yeah. It's Atherin walked away with very little damage. Shocking, but it's Atherin. And then, Isaac, we get our Abawaku moment where everyone decides that they need to go into Messiah where Durandal is. And Isaac, he's the, Messiah at this point is a wreck, right? The, his little throne room or whatever you want to call it is pretty busted up, but he, this dude is still in the chair. Why was he still in the chair? Why was he not leaving? Yeah, everybody, well, not everybody left. I, there was an explosion, right? And, like, almost everybody on the bridge died except him. <laughs> yeah, and he, but he's still in the chair just so he can do the dramatic turnaround. Probably. And be like, I am still here. So he turns around in the chair, and then everyone's there. Kira's there. I think Atherin's there, too, in the special edition. 
Ray's there. Talia's there. She gets out of the Minerva. She tells everyone in the Minerva to leave, and she's going to go in and check on, on Durandal. So everybody is in Messiah looking at Durandal. Everybody's aiming at everyone. So we got a, a classic Quentin Tarantino Mexican standoff here. Durandal's like, you know, what what would you do if I died today? And Kira would be like, I'm ready for it. And that triggers this change in Ray, who, you know, now all of a sudden he wants a tomorrow, I guess because he's not really going to have a tomorrow because he's going to die. And he, instead of shooting Kira, he shoots Durandal. And then, Isaac, we get probably the, the number one cardinal sin of the show. Talia decides to stay behind and die with Durandal and Ray. She says... I'm going to stay here and deliver him myself. And Kira, could you please have Ramius go visit my son for me one day? I would like that. <laughs> As a parent, this makes me physically angry. No parent would ever willingly die knowing that their kid is out there and needing it. She doesn't have like a grown son, Isaac. <laughs> this kid is like, I don't know, six tops, right, in that photo? Yeah, and, and would you want the enemy captain that you've known for like five days right <laughs> to meet that you've spoken to like maybe eight times to like meet yeah she had child. a few cordial conversations with this woman yeah what's what's ramius gonna visit her like once gonna do she didn't say like go raise my kid but even then she wouldn't even tell her that you have a you have an ability to walk away and go be with your with your kid this makes zero sense and i hate it it's terrible yeah it not only her wanting to stay behind because, like, we only saw her with uh, Durandal, like, once, <laughs> you know, intimately. Yeah. It'd be it'd be a thing if they were kind of, like, constantly together or something or, or, or had, like, this longstanding relationship. But it, it almost seemed like it was very distant at a certain way, right? But but also Ray stayed behind, even though he has short telomeres. Uh, he could have had his own redemption, right, where he leaves and it's like, you know, no matter how short my time is, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it to the best, you right. know. Something like that. That would have been much more life-affirming instead of, again, in Gundam Seed, whether you're Orb or apparently now Zaft, everybody likes to sacrifice themselves and go down with the ship. Yeah, it, it's a bit silly. I also was cracking up when when Durandal asked who she, he was like, oh, did did Kira shoot me or something? And and Talia goes, no, Ray actually shot you. And like, what, what must have went through his mind? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He must have been like, oh, my God, what happened? You're like, you were so on my team. <laughs> oh, man. So after that, um, everyone leaves, you know, besides those three. They leave Messiah, and every, everything ends up hunky-dory. Lacoos becomes uh, chairman of Zaft. Atherin joins Orb. The creators of the show, apparently, they have said that Atherin and Kigali uh, resume their relationship, which I did not really get that from the ending. Would you have thought that? I wouldn't have. No, but I buy it at the same time, right? Just because... Why wouldn't they? You know, they had the whole thing going last series, and this series is very much about no matter what changes they tried doing, the, the original cast is just going to do whatever the hell they want anyway. Right, yeah, that's fair. And then Kira surprisingly joins Zaft with, I assume, to be with Lacoos. He's wearing one of the white uniforms like we saw Rao wear in the original. That was a little strange, but I guess that sort of makes sense. So he's now a big, important figure in the Zaft military. And Shin joins the Archangel crew um, after they all meet at the memorial for the people who died at the Battle of Orb. We visited that site once earlier in the show, and Shin finally meets Kira. Atherin introduces him, and Kira goes, you know, Shin, you should team up with us, and he, he says, okay. And so that's the show. Um, Shin ends up joining the good guys at the very end, and everyone sort of lives happily ever after, I guess. Wow, Isaac. Wow. 
it was a, a mediocre ending for a mediocre series. That's how I'd wrap it up. <laughs> I already said sins number one and two for me are, are Talia voluntarily dying despite her son living. And then the character assassination of Luna and the not playing the card of knowledge. I think the other big problem with the show is, as you already said, the old cast taking over the new cast. But I think what's specifically wrong with that is that when that happened, Isaac, that happened what? Roughly when we left off in the first review. So the first half of the show, that's when it ended on. But the problem with that is now you telegraphed the ending of the show 20 episodes early. And that's never something you want to do. I I feel like at both episode 30 and episode 40, I didn't know how we were going to get another 20 or 10 episodes out of this show. It created a bunch of finales. Heaven's Base could have been a finale. Uh, Requiem could have been a finale. The second Requiem could have been a finale. Messiah could have been the other finale, which it was. So that was, in my mind, the fourth finale. Yeah. This was like Lord of the Rings here, Isaac. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Return of the King, where it just constantly ends. There's a super weapon after a super weapon after a super weapon after a fight. The writing on this seems like it changed hands a lot and it's it's really too bad because we had some interesting super weapons some interesting characters we could have used designs for mobile suits and we ended up in sort of a a mess you know it was a hot mess a pileup of ideas and what ifs and yeah Gundam Sea Destiny I do not recommend as a first watch at all and if you enjoyed Gundam Seed, you probably don't watch Gundam Seed Destiny because it's going to go downhill from there. Yeah, it's definitely not on my like top five list of shows or anything like that. I mean, I guess if you're a big fan of the Cosmic Era, then maybe you enjoy it. I would love to hear from listeners who really love the show. I think we mentioned this before, but I think Gundam Seed, that's a lot of people's Gundam, right, Isaac? I mean, that's, there's certain people, that's the Gundam they grew up with, and that's the one they like. So I think if you're one of those listeners... You know, regardless of Isaac and I's opinion, clearly we didn't like the show too much, um, even though we thought it had a lot of potential. I think we would want to know, how do you square this show in your head? How does this reconcile to you? Because I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on here that doesn't make sense. It very much feels like a lot of people know the original series and fewer, not a minuscule amount, but less, have seen Zeta, right? Yeah. That's true. It's one thing to know the one-year war and be very familiar with it. It's another thing to kind of know the grips conflict. Mm -hmm. Very much in the same way, a lot of people grew up with Seed, and Destiny is maybe a distant knowledge to them. They're vaguely familiar with it. They didn't watch it, or they only saw some of it. But, yeah, I'd, I'd put it in that type of comparison. A few more comments before we move to the Mecha, Isaac. I thought Shin's character really suffered in the back half because he sort of ended up not growing until the last episode and then that's kind of a cop-out right he just decided like oh, okay sure i'll join you kira i feel like he was on a good path and that path could have been when stella died yeah that's when his character should have changed that was his chance to realize that he gave it his best shot but the result of stella dying was still the correct result because she was going crazy and killing like thousands of people but because the plot needed him to be the antagonist now, he kept being the same person the rest of the show. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's my take. I feel like there was an opportunity there to have him be a little different. And maybe that was the original plan, something along those lines. And then when he became the bad guy, you can't do that anymore, right? Yeah, it was another missed opportunity. It didn't make sense. That should have been him joining you know, the the archangel, right? Him joining and realizing the error of his ways. But no, it didn't really happen. He just, Ray's hold on him was so strong. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think Atherton even comments like so, sometimes Ray, every, some, everything Ray says is so logical at the time, but it's hard to argue with him. <laughs> Shin, you just don't think for yourself. <laughs> you're just a you're just a robot in a uniform. <laughs> we never actually got confirmation. Do you think that Durandal sent the assassins after Lacus? I assume yes. But it was never it was never confirmed. Without question, no one else would gain from it. Jabril wouldn't do it because, I mean, he would kill her if he knew about her. But like, it's almost beneath his notice. He's busy trying to take out all coordinators, not one. Well, but he didn't even know about her. Do you remember that part when um, during the competing like broadcast where he was like, "Oh, a, yeah. look, a fake Lacus. This is interesting." <laughs> yeah, and then like she, the real Lacus, kind of chews him out in like one sentence, and he's like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's only one person that could have been behind it, and it's clearly Durandal. Okay, because I've seen some some Durandal supporters online being like, it was never confirmed that he sent the assassins. But like, <laughs> who else was going to do it, guys? Those are Zafties. Those are Zaft heads. You can't <laughs> listen to them, Brian. <laughs> they have Durandal body pillows. <laughs> it, you know what it occurred to me, Isaac? Like, we don't really know too much about where the Strike Freedom and the Infinite Justice came from. Like, were they just made in that asteroid that Lacus was hiding in? Like, who's the builder? Like, who's the engineer? Like, that guy is the best. I don't know. These things just appear when they needed for the plot. <laughs> like, the the will of the pilots summons a Gundam when you need it at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this is covered in like supplemental material. So, listeners, if is there like a cosmic era Anaheim out there that's making all this stuff and that's just not in the show? Because I mean, they weren't made in orb, right? So yeah, ironically, Logos is in control of like almost all weapons manufacturing right except for the plants so they, they should be very careful about who's getting gun <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's but apparently point. they're not because these things appear wherever someone needs them <laughs> like ah uh, here it is and it's fully finished <laughs> it's like yeah i think we'll put one over there you know just in case <laughs> just in case some orb pilot needs it <laughs> wait not that pilot <laughs> <laughs> oh no what have you done so another question isaac is what is the point of moo in this show is it just to give Ramius a happy ending? And I don't mean that as like in like a pun intended way. But like, uh-huh. but like, you don't have to have Moo in this show other than to make Ramius happy. Yeah, his role was so minimal, right? Like when he comes back and decides to be a pilot, it's almost like he flipped a switch and said, well, I guess I'll help you guys. It didn't contribute a ton other than adding another pilot to a very overpowered squad. Right. And what, in my opinion, what would have been a good use of Moo is... He could have come back, and instead of having Ray versus Kira, we could have had Moo versus Ray, and then Moo could have defeated Ray, or at least taken Ray in. And like you said, Ray could have had his little redemption arc, where maybe Moo finds a way to, you know, help Ray live on or something with the help of Moo's genes, right? Because Ray yeah. is technically a clone of Moo's father. That's pretty perfect. Like it's uh, Ray, Ray gets the big the big brother he always wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't judge him by his short television? <laughs> I just don't. I don't know what else Moo is really doing in this show, other than being back yeah. for fan service and because people liked him so much, they didn't want him to die. <laughs> That's the only reason. But it would have been great, like a Moo scene, right, where like he puts his arm around Ray and he's like, "Come on, guy, we got a lot of life to live up." Let's <laughs> <laughs> do the Mecca, Isaac, and then I have one big, big question for you. Unless you have anything else, I hope it's a blue cosmos or a Logos <laughs> question. So well, maybe sort of. I'm all for it. I'm the last member of Logo. <laughs> They didn't catch me. <laughs> oh, so we already talked about the legends. We're not going to do that again. What about the destiny, Isaac? What did you think of the destiny? It was okay. Like 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 any mobile suit in this series, it's half uninspired and like not really 
my favorite, but uh, it, it was decent, I'd say. I guess I kind of like the shoulder pads. It was a cool design for the shoulder pads. Yeah. Not a ton of the Zeta Gundam in it, I'd say, but overall a sufficient leading Gundam. I think the way I thought about it, Isaac, was they tried to give it all the cool gimmicks from the different Gundams throughout the years, right? It had the Wings of Light from the Victory 2. It had the the God Finger, the Burning Finger from God Gundam. It had, you know, the Big Sword from Impulse. But it, it doesn't have, like, the charisma of any of them. It feels very artificial. Yeah, it's... You could almost say that about the whole series feeling artificial because of how much they did bring back characters we thought were kind of done to overshadow the new characters and we get an uh, an ending by the numbers with the super weapon going down and then peace being established which is really what happened at the last series so nothing really moved forward we had an artificial replay of the war again when what we should have done is much like zeta have the whole setting kind of evolve you know we should have had like a a new force in the Earth Alliance kind of causing problems or earns aft or something like that, right? But we didn't yeah. get that. So it's, yes, it's just as artificial. The design was artificial just as much as the setting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what could be more artificial than Control-C from the one-year war bringing over Zakus and Doms and Guffs? And, uh. I could just see you like throwing your laptop out the window when the Doms showed up. Pretty much. And then running down because it's my only laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn it. Uh, How about the Strike Freedom and the Infinite Justice? They were serviceable, I think. Well, the Strike Freedom was a little more unique. The wings mainly. I wouldn't say Death Scythe Hell level wings, but kind of a cool little cape thing going on there. I like the Strike Freedom. Um, I think it's a good like main character Gundam. Again, I I think I said this when we reviewed the first show. I don't think the Freedom Gundam looks very good if you just look at the line art. But if you look at it in all the poses where the wings are all splayed out, like it's pretty cool looking. Like I definitely understand why people like it. I don't necessarily like how it's handled in the show. Like it's just the you know Kira presses the win button, he just targets everything, and like you hit go and it just it just shoots everything. But in terms of looks, like I totally get it. Like I I think it's a good, pretty good looking Gundam when you pose it correctly. Uh, the Infinite Justice. If if someone had asked me to tell you the difference between the Justice and the Infinite Justice, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the difference is. I mean, it's a it's a decent looking suit. I don't like the magenta. I wish it was red. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm not a fan for it because I've said this before with Athens mobile suits. I think, but it's not. It's the wrong red. Like they wanted to do kind of the Shar callback clearly, but it's I don't know what they call this a dull crimson. It's not a good color for a mobile suit. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's like a halfway color. It's always used for Atherin, and like it it just has a dullness to it. Like they mix gray into the color red. It's it's not very eye catching. Yeah, so, I think that's why I like the Savior. It was it has such a better color. Yeah, yeah, and this is just not that. <laughs> so, I I know they have lead roles in the story, but I'm I'm not a fan of it and. Even though the savior had its kind of bizarre unicorn head, it was still um, <laughs> it did have a weird head. <laughs> still bright red, and that get, that earned points automatically. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts about you know Mecha in the show, Isaac. If you had to rattle off your top three, top five designs from the show, what oh, would they no. be? Oh, well, the, the destroy. Okay. And then. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then uh, and three blanks. Re- <laughs> Requiem and Nibel. <laughs> Those are not mobile seeds, sir. <laughs> but they're designed. <laughs> um, I don't even want to put the doms up there because it's not something that's Gundam Seed Destiny. A Wyndham? A nuclear Wyndham? <laughs> wow. Has to be a nuclear one, too. Yeah, like I don't do regular windows. Like, yeah, that's that's my fleet. They're just only nuclear. Um, so what? I got to destroy a Wyndham. Oh boy! After that, pretty sparse on the Isaacs. <laughs> yeah, I I don't care for this series that much at all, and I I hope the the viewers the, the listeners back me up on this too. I mean, you don't, you don't have to have three if if you only got two. Then you know it is what it is. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, if I had to do mine, I think I would put the Savior at the top, probably followed by the, I guess the Destroy, since it's pretty unique. Yeah, right. And then the Akatsuki, and then the, I guess the Strike Freedom, if I had to go into like four and like a five, I'd, I don't know, maybe the. Uh, maybe Chaos. I'd, I'd probably add Chaos, but like it's such a distant third. I mean, the Legend, I guess, relatively, I agree the Providence is better, but if I was just choosing within the show, the Legend would be pretty decent. Yeah. No problem. Okay. But you know, if if I'm working with what I got here, Isaac. Okay, that makes sense. I did like it when Atherin put Shin in his place at the very end, and then he like reholstered all of his beam sabers as if to say like I'm done here, and then he just flew away. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll give it to the Infinite Justice just for that. But uh, oh, Shin. I also liked his strategy to defeat the Minerva, and I think he also did it to either take out Requiem or one of those weapons where he just like sent his little flyer thing into it. He's like, well, I'll just fly it through. That'll do enough damage. It's very direct. <laughs> yeah, that, that works too. Um, all right, Isaac, my last question for you. So the reason why we're doing this review is that we want to get caught up before the new Seed movie comes out. Now having just gone through Seed Destiny and we did Seed last year, what are your thoughts about the sequel? Do you feel like there's any obvious loose threads that haven't been wrapped up that we should be expecting and then maybe like what do you think will happen versus what do you think should happen to make it interesting i don't think there's any loose threads because the main thread was finally removed this time like say what you will about blue cosmos in the last series but they were kind of still out there when when it ended you know, Azrael was just one element of it here it looks like logos which is behind blue cosmos is finally gone so I'm kind of curious what the plot will be and what the, the threat will be. Is it, is it going to be a situation of, well, it doesn't really matter who's behind the Earth Alliance. They're just not going to get along with the plants at all. Or is it going to be something kind of more abstract where they address the, the coordinators being sterile? Mm. But Which I think they should because it was such a, it sounded like such a critical, important thing and they kind of glossed over it. Didn't come up once this series. No, but it it was it it sounds like it's something that the Zaf government should be thinking about constantly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, since you can't yeah. really reproduce, you, that that was another thing. Like Blue Cosmos technically just needs to wait them out. <laughs> That's not true. Gonna, you know, there's only going to be like a, a handful of elderly people in the plants. You know, yeah. the, but I digress. Anyways, um, no, <laughs> no, I'm not that excited for the movie. Sure, I'm going to see it, but. This is a setting I don't really want to return to. The cosmic era isn't filled with a ton of enjoyment for me, and my expectations are low, and my interest is equally low. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's that's not what Sunrise wants to hear, Isaac. 
Brian, here at Sunset, we like to give accuracy, and that's my accurate feelings. What are your thoughts, then? Uh, yeah, I couldn't think of any logical, like, loose threads. I thought maybe when they mentioned that Arizaku base where the Atlantic Federation president was hiding, I was like, oh, maybe we'll go there. But then they, like, you know, hit it with the Requiem cannon. I was like, oh, that's out. <laughs> so, no, I don't think there's any obvious loose ends. So I was thinking perhaps maybe the research, the existing research for the Destiny plan is misused or it's somehow going to be used for a nefarious purpose, perhaps maybe related to the uh, to the sterile problem it's, it's used to give people information on their ancestry <laughs> and only a gundam can stop it <laughs> my only thought there is it does that doesn't sound like a sexy log line right no in terms of what i think will happen like we've had a row or like an al Flaga clone in every thing so i'm sure that there's going to be a third and i'm sure we'll just end up with kira fighting another clone <laughs> kira is going to be taking off a lot of heads and arms on mobile suits, not people. <laughs> what do I think should happen, though, Isaac? I think the way to get me interested in this movie is to either make Kira or Lacus evil somehow. <laughs> Are you talking about like uh, they go insane or like they get replaced by like a new one? I don't know. I'm not. There's various ways to do it, right? You <laughs> could, you could assassinate Lacus, and that could just send Kira into a downward spiral. Or maybe there could maybe they could clone Kira and there could be an evil Kira. His name would be Arik. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Kira backward. <laughs> dun dun dun. And he flies the injustice gun. <laughs> <laughs> the in, there you go, the injustice. Or what's the opposite of freedom? Like The oppression gun. <laughs> bondage. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> that could go a weird way, but um I don't know. I, I think there just needs to be a shake up at the top of like w- what can challenge Kira at this point, Isaac? If they introduce a new character, we know they're going to get killed. Like, I don't know. They almost need to have, like, Atherin and Kira fight again. Again, yeah. Atherin's counterattack. Kira, Kira gets framed for something, and, like, the whole cast of characters turn against him. Okay, a frame, yeah, that that could be a way to do it. Gundam Destiny Detective. <laughs> Gundam C Detective or something. I, I also think it's odd that, like, this series did not end like a normal Gundam series when you trash all your stuff, right? We... we the freedom, the justice, and the archangel, they're all still intact. They're invincible. <laughs> they will they will function forever. <laughs> so like should we expect them to just carry forward or should we expect new versions or they'll come back again. We'll get new characters. There'll be a plot, some sinister new organization, like Red Cosmos or something. And then <laughs> the, the old characters will come and save the day and the new characters will be mediocre and the world will be at peace. I just wrote it for you. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Mark my words, listeners. <laughs> All right, Red Cosmos it is. Yeah, listeners, I would love to hear your ideas for where the, the sequel film is going to uh, is going to go. I mean, I, I believe that... It's going to go in circles. That's where it's going <laughs> to oh. go. <laughs> We're going to go back to where we started, just like the Sea Destiny. <laughs> oh, man. I'm curious where you think it's going to go. Do you feel like there's any hanging plot threads that we did not address? I mean, I feel like they wrapped it up. It's pretty tidy. Everyone lived happily ever after. Any any ideas on length of time that will pass in the new one? I think, Isaac, you had said before that no one wants to see them be real old. So do you think it's less than five years from, from yeah, Destiny? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that's probably true, given that the freedom, the justice, and the archangel are still around. They'll still try to use those, so they can't be too out of date. Yeah. The cosmic era, like, nothing happens too far away from each other. Uh, there were several points in this show where I think 
Athern may have said it once, or maybe it was Kira and, and Kigali said it another time. So they said something like, "How is this all happening again two years later?" And my response, I wrote down every time, <laughs> "We're all asking that same question." Yeah, we just had a war to solve this, and like we're fighting again. Like, how do we have the troops and the material? Ugh. I lied, Isaac. the The hanging plot thread that needs to be addressed and what should happen oh, no. in the movie is that the space whales should come back, and there should be a space whale invasion. Oh, that's pretty brilliant, Brian, because what would drive naturals and coordinators together? An alien invasion. <laughs> led by, and the space whales would be led by John Glenn. Or whatever they, whatever they called him in this, in this uh, George Glenn. George Glenn. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they would just clone him. It would be a clone oh, oh. of George Glenn, or, you know, the they ultimate They put his brain into a whale body. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he's out for revenge. Well, you heard it here first, folks. If you if you see George Glenn show up in that space whale, it was our idea. Yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> would you recommend people see Gundam Sea Destiny, Brian? And if so, under what context? Because I can't recommend it in any context. <laughs> I mean, I would recommend Gundam Sea Destiny if you're a fan of the original Gundam Seed and you want to watch the new Seed film when it comes out because it will be a sequel to Seed Destiny. You know, Seed Destiny is here to stay. It's it's not going away. You know, if, if you didn't like the original Seed, there's absolutely no reason for you to watch Seed Destiny. I would say that. So definitely first watch Seed if you're on the fence and then make your decision. Do you want to keep going? If you do, Seed Destiny is there for you. And if I had to give it a rating, Isaac, um, you know, my, my horror rating, I think I'd rate it probably like a six out of ten it's pretty low it's probably one of the lower ratings i've ever given Ooh, <laughs> the animation's good the music is great we didn't talk about the music that's definitely a positive for the show but you know plot wise it just wasn't my thing i thought there's a lot of nonsensical stuff happening i'm just not sure it's that enjoyable of an experience and you know what makes it worse for me isaac is that it's a long show right if it was 25 episodes it would hurt less but it loses the audience's trust multiple times they assassinated one of the characters in order to move the plot forward in a nonsensical direction, being and that being Luna, Luna Maria, or Luna Maria, and they did not play the biggest intrigue card, which was the fake Lacuse. <clears throat> um, and Talia dying and voluntarily staying with her son makes zero sense to me, and I hate it. And uh, Destiny Plan was not very impressive. Old cast got the spotlight over the new cast, you know, to their detriment. So just a whole lot of things I didn't really didn't really enjoy in the back half. Made it a big slog, Isaac. Even though there was lots of flashy stuff happening, I felt like it was just manufactured flashy stuff. We were just throwing it all together. You know, we were in that super weapon gauntlet, just going from one to the next without a whole lot of logic. So six out of ten is where I'm at. Unfortunately, I apologize, see Destiny listeners. I'll go lower than that. I'll give this two out of five horrors oh. because I think if you enjoyed Gundam Seed just end it there that's like the perfect ending peace happens at the end of that series going through this all again is kind of a mess and i i can't recommend this also as a first watch because you need so much backstory in gundam seed to enjoy it so there's not a lot of ways i'd recommend this and revisiting it i understand they have characters established and all that but Man, this movie's gonna have to do a lot to kind of redeem the series and the, the 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 cosmic era timeline. So yeah, it's a it's it's a couple of thumbs down for me. I I don't plan on rewatching this ever again. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, let us know your thoughts on Seed Destiny, the ups, the downs. What did you enjoy? What didn't you enjoy? Are we way off base here? Let us know. 
comment below what you think about this series because man i want to wrap my head around the reasons why someone would like this series you know it's really not that great yeah there's a lot missing it's not something that i can see myself for watching and it doesn't have a lot of good moments you know it's it's very much i wouldn't say a cash grab but they they revisited they revisited the cosmic era for for God knows why, because it they already had established characters in the setting. But yeah, it's not something I'm all for. And if you're for it, tell me why. Like, make us understand why this is so high ranked for you. Yeah, frustrating might be a good a good word for this show. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, Isaac, take us away. All right, listeners. Before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, inhale. Blue Cosmos for the preservation of our blue, <laughs> for the preservation of our blue and pure world. Good night, everybody. Although, listeners, by the way, I do think that the king of the balances—maybe not the balances, but the king of the size—is actually Talia. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know which version you watch, Isaac, but in the in the special edition, I guess the, I, I assume the uncut edition, there is like a shower scene with her, and she's she's quite uh, endowed. So I bet she is even more than Mir. So wow. Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Brian's <laughs> poop analysis. <laughs>